Okay. If you're sitting here tonight, which you are, just take a deep breath. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Feels good, doesn't it? Feels good tonight to breathe a sigh of relief. Because if you're here, guess what? It's Christmas Eve. It means you're almost there. All the craziness, all the busyness of the holiday season, it's almost done. Hopefully by now you've, you've got all the Christmas shopping done. Even the men. I hear there's a few stores open. You might be able to sneak afterwards. But it's Christmas Eve. Maybe that means you can finally get some downtime. At least, hopefully, you're not working tomorrow. But it's a busy, it's a busy time of year, isn't it? Busy, busy, busy. It's busy. You notice how being busy has, has become the new measure of success? You notice that? It used to be kind of affluence and wealth and leisure time and all that, but now it's busy is the measure of success. If you're busy, you're living the dream, right? Just last week, I, I met with a friend that I had not seen in, I don't know, maybe three to six months. And I saw him and I said, hey man, how you doing? What's, you know, what's going on? How, how are things? He says, oh, good, good. Busy. Busy. Yeah, I mean, good, 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 busy, right? Because there's good, busy, and there's bad, busy, right? But he's like, no, no, I'm good, busy, busy. That's what's been called the, the glorification of busy. If the Declaration of Independence was being written today, maybe it would say the following. It pains my English heart to read this, but... But if it was written today in 2019, perhaps it would read this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all people are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of busyness. It seems to be the new American dream, doesn't it? Busyness. And you know what? It's not just America. My home country of England, just as busy. People are as obsessed with being busy here as they are here. They're obsessed with being busy in Europe. You want to see real busyness, go to Japan or China. They are busy, busy, busy. And of course, you know, busyness is busy itself. And busyness has its own children. It has its own offspring. You know the ones, you know, hurry. Pressure, anxiety, irritability, high blood pressure. Anybody relate? And you know, one of the things that keeps us so busy in this season is, of course, all the shopping and getting gifts for our friends and family, and maybe you've got to do the whole work colleague thing too. And they say it's better to receive than to give, but come on, let's be honest. It's also nice receiving, isn't it? I mean, who doesn't like receiving a gift? Except the ones you re-gift. Well, I want to share a gift with you all tonight. And it's not actually, it's not actually my gift to give. But it's God's gift to all of us if we're willing to receive it. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The gift is Jesus. How predictable for the pastor to go down that road. 
And yeah, you know, there's no question that Jesus is the most precious gift we could ever receive. Invaluable. But I want to hone in actually on something that Jesus brings with him. It's something that we can have if we want it, and it can transform our lives if we will receive it. And that gift is found in that piece of scripture that we just read today from Luke chapter 2. It's found right in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Listen to it again. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Did you catch it? Did you spot it? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Yeah, that's right. That word, that word peace. Do you know that there, there is a peace, a true and lasting peace that can only be found in God? And specifically, it's found through his son, Jesus. You know, there are many things we do to try and find peace, aren't there? You know, maybe we go for a walk. Uh, perhaps we go to the movies. Perhaps it's hanging out with some friends and having a beer. We'll find ways to try and get a little peace in our lives. But you know, ultimately, all those things, and they're good for the soul in their own way, but they only bring us temporary peace, don't they? And then at some point, it's back to busy, busy, busy. We have these little islands of temporary peace, but then it's back to the busyness. That's not the kind of peace I'm talking about here, folks. No, I'm talking about real, lasting peace that remains even in the craziness of life. It's an inner peace from knowing and communing and having a vibrant relationship with the living God. Now, the problem is, when we're talking about a relationship with God... I think the problem is that busyness, I would say, is probably public enemy number one when it comes to growing spiritually and getting closer to God. And you know, often, I know I've been here, and I'm, I'm guessing some of you have as well, but often we, we can sort of complain, can't we, and say, well, you know what, I don't, I don't know where God is. I don't feel him. He feels pretty distant to me right now. He feels like he's not there. But actually, the reality is God is always there. He's God. He's everywhere. He's with you every step of the day. And he's by your side through the good times and the bad times. It's actually us who are usually far away and distracted because we can't still ourselves long enough to hear his voice. Corrie Tenboom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. It's a brilliant strategy when you think about it. I mean, you know, to keep you away from God doesn't have to get you to hate God or despise him or become an atheist. No, just needs to keep you busy enough and distracted so that you never really seek him. Except when you need a parking space. We've all done the parking space prayer, haven't we? You know, it's the classic part, you know, dear Lord. Please help me find a parking spot near the entrance to the mall. My feet are killing me. Amen. It's the parking lot prayer. It's a classic. It's in all, all the good prayer books. But you know, 
Other than little prayers like that, where we need little things, right? You know, hey, God's the cosmic vending machine. I throw my money in and he gives me what I need. We often don't really seek him, do we? Except when we need something. Theologian Ronald Rollheiser, he said the following. Bear with me, it's a long quote, but it's really good. He said, today a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. We, for every kind of reason, good or bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God, depth and spirit. We would like these. It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. Anybody relate to that? He says, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion with our pathological busyness. We're actually, in, if we're, care, if we're not careful, we're in danger of, of skimming our lives instead of living our lives. You know, one of the, I would say one of the worst things about graduate level study is all the reading you've got to do. That's not the worst thing. The reading's great. But the fact that you have so much reading to do that it's actually not humanly possible to get through all the reading in the time frame they've given you. So what do you have to do? You have to learn to skim read. Okay? What's the first kind of sentence of the paragraph say? Okay, what's the summary at the bottom of the paragraph? And that way you skim read through the book and you're, kind of, you're extracting the information you need. But it's a very superficial reading of the book. And you know what? To this day, I still cannot read at a normal speed. It's ruined my reading. I want to read a good fiction book, but I'm, I'm just looking through each paragraph. Okay, what is, what is the information here? Okay, can we get to the point? You know, instead of just soaking in the descriptive language. And if we're not careful, that's how we can live our lives. Just skimming our lives instead of really living them. And you know what? We're surrounded by technology today, aren't we? You know, the tech industry is booming we all probably came to church tonight with a smartphone. I don't know why they call them smartphones, because they're making us dumber. But <laughs> technology's everywhere. And it's supposed to make life easier, right? All this technology. It's supposed to make life a little bit more convenient and easier to give us more time on our hands, right? Well, back in 1967, a Senate subcommittee was told that by 1985... The average American would only work 22 hours per week for 27 weeks a year. Yeah, I thought you'd laugh at that. Because <laughs> I laughed when I read it too. They thought the main problem in the future would be too much leisure on our hands. And yet we're not finding that, are we? We're not finding we have more time on our hands for, for leisure and things like that. And we're not finding peace, are we? What we're finding actually is more stress, more anxiety, and less time to unplug. You know, it's one of the beautiful things about church. 
It's for an hour or however, however long a week if you make it. It is a chance to unplug, just to focus, just to be present, just to be with one another. How rare is that in our world today? You see, peace, peace is not found in more convenience and more stuff and busyness. It's actually found in what we just read tonight. It's found in glory to God in the highest. When we give glory to God, when we spend time with him and in his presence, there is a peace that we receive in our hearts that is not of this world. I'll give you a small example. This afternoon, got to about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and I had finished all my preparation. I've got two little, two little ones, a 3-year-old and a 15-month-old. They went down for a nap. My wife went down for a nap too. And I knew I had a couple of hours on my hand. I was like, what am I going to do? I, I could maybe just chill out, watch a bit of TV or whatever. And I thought, no, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. And I went to um, my little study in the house, and I just spent some time in prayer, reading some scripture. And I came away from that time refreshed, at peace, just a whole new perspective on the rest of the day. That's where our true peace is found, folks. Glory to God in the highest. God's glory is, and it has been revealed through the coming of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating today, right? You want to see glory? You want to see the glory of God? Look to Jesus. And the effect of Jesus coming for us, for the people of the earth, is summed up in that word peace. Without Jesus in your life, and knowing who he truly is, God in the flesh come to rescue us, to deliver us from the hurt and the sin in the world, you'll never know true peace. Because at the heart of our busyness and restlessness is a disconnect from God, a broken relationship with our creator. That's why we're not truly at peace. That's the heart of it. That's why we don't feel true peace. You ever had an argument with uh, a family member or your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend? And it's the worst part, isn't it, before you've made up where you just, you don't feel right. You feel out of sorts and, you know, you don't feel right until you've patched things up, until you've reconciled. You can't uh, get that rest and feel at peace, you know. When you're in that period where you're getting the silent treatment and the stink eye, huh? and they're waiting for that apology, you've got to... Big slice of humble pie, bit of cream on it. Well, that's how it is with our relationship with God. With, there's, a, there's a relationship that we need to patch things up with God because of the sin in our lives. I played a ton of weddings because I was a musician before I was a pastor. And inevitably, the, uh, when the bride, bride's father is giving his speech... So often he gives some fatherly advice to the groom. If you want a happy life, learn the phrase, yes, dear. Happens all the time. And you know what? If you want peace, we need to learn the phrase, yes, Lord. That's where we'll find true peace. We need to repair and nurture our relationship with the living God. And guess what? Jesus, this is why we celebrate him. He is the one. He's the reconciler. He's the one who can heal and transform that relationship. Jesus reconciles us and repairs our relationship with God. 
But you know what? After that, we have a role to play. And that role is to nurture that relationship. How do we do that? One simple word. Attention. Attention. We give him our attention. Why? Because attention leads to awareness. And it's our lack of awareness of God because of all the busyness. That's why we lack peace. Revelation 3.20 says the following. This is Jesus speaking. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm standing right there, folks, waiting for an invite from you to come in. But you know, often we don't hear the knock on the door, do we? We don't hear the doorbell because we got the TV on too loud. We got something drowning out the sound of God tugging at our heart by the busyness of life. You ever been waiting for a for a package to be delivered to your house, and it's one of those packages uh, that needs a signature, right? And you you get mildly obsessed about it because it's something you really want, like oh, it's the new iPhone, and you know they're delivering it on on Tuesday, and you're like, I'm going to take the day off work because this is my life. I need that phone. I need to be there for the delivery. And, you know, you sort of periodically throughout the day, you're kind of, you know, checking the door, checking the uh, porch, see if, see if you've missed it. And then the worst thing happens, right? You open the door, and there's the dreaded slip. Hi, oh, sorry we missed you. This was our third and final attempt. You can pick it up at our headquarters in New York City. You missed the doorbell. You missed the knocking. Why? Because... Your attention was elsewhere. I'm reading a book at the moment called um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's great. I'm trying not to read through it really hurriedly. <laughs> and I've stolen a lot from this book for this sermon. I have no shame in admitting. But his name's John Mark Comer, and he says the following. He says, The mind is the portal to the soul, and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you give your attention to. That bodes well for apprentices of Jesus who give the bulk of their attention to him and to all that is good, beautiful, and true in the world, but not for those who give their attention to the 24-7 news cycle of outrage and anxiety and emotion-charged drama or the nonstop feed of celebrity gossip, titillation, and cultural drivel. Oof. Guy nailed it, huh? You know, they say you are what you eat. Well, we become what we give our attention to. You know, it's that if you're giving most of your attention to the news cycle and to celebrity gossip and all those things you mentioned, guess what? You're going to be irritable. You're going to feel frustrated. You're not going to have peace. But when we give our attention to God, that's when we can receive the true gift of peace that Jesus offers us. The piece that we find here in the passage that we just read from Luke, the Gospel of Luke was written in the the language of Greek. That was the language of the New Testament. And the the Greek word is similar to the Hebrew word we find in the Bible, which is the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is translated peace, but it, it doesn't just mean the kind of how we think of peace as maybe an absence of conflict. 
It's a much broader concept that means a, a, it's a peace that comes from a, a wholeness, a completeness. You all remember that movie, Jerry, uh, Jerry Maguire? You've got Tom Cruise, and he's there with Renny Zellweger. And he's like, I love you. You complete me. You remember that? It's one of, the, one of the cheesiest lines, I think, in. But he was like, oh, Tom Cruise. And maybe that wasn't the best example to use here. But the point I'm trying to make is that without Jesus, we are incomplete. We are. We're not complete without him. We're actually, we're unfinished. Like that basement in your house you keep meaning to get to. He does complete us. And that's why without him in our lives, we're not at peace. So this Christmas season, as we are about to enter a new year, hey, a new decade. Can you believe that? 2020? We were supposed to have flying cars by now. Instead, we have Uber. But as we enter this new decade, folks, I want to invite you to receive the true lasting gift of peace. And that comes through Jesus Christ. And yeah, that means you have to receive him to get the gift. So I want to challenge you with a new year resolution. Put the busyness aside and make time for God in your life. Give him your attention and he will give you his peace. I want to leave you with the words of the apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians church. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And now listen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Merry Christmas. He didn't write the Merry Christmas part. That was me. But Let's pray. Father, you are such a good, good God. You have so many gifts that you want to give us, Lord, that you so freely want to give us, and they are the most precious gifts. They were bought and paid for by your Son. And I just pray tonight, Lord, that we would receive that gift of peace by giving you our attention, Lord, by spending time with you. And I pray, Lord, that that peace would just spread out over this congregation right now, Lord. They would leave here tonight knowing that there is a deeper peace that can be theirs when they turn to you. Would you bless us tonight, Lord? Bless us as we go into 2020 and help us to always keep you at the forefront of our lives. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.